107. Hi, I'm Greg Duncan. This is Martin Woodward. And I'm Paul Hacker. Paul, good to have you back. back. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks. This is great. I, I I I love being on the show, man. Woo! It's good to have you. Well, yeah, no, definitely. Well, we've got a good show this week, haven't we, Greg? Yeah, yeah. We've got a great interviewee, um, somebody who was, if you guys listened to last week and had our first on-air voicemail, we'll know who we're interviewing. Um, but first, we have some news items that we want to talk about. Not a whole lot, just a few. Uh, Martin, what is new? Was there any releases? Oh, well, was there any releases? Of course there was releases. So let me think. Let's look. So first of all, um, the package management stuff we've talked about a little bit uh, lately, um, that's now available um, in the Europe and Australia um, data centers. So if you have your VSTS instance in Europe or Australia, then um, you can go into the Visual Studio Marketplace and add the package management extension, which is great because I actually went to look for it last week and was like why isn't this showing up for me and then uh, now i realize why it's because i'm in europe so that's good um and in fact i have i have an account in different in, in all the different centers that's one of the perks of being on the team in the old days i managed to create multiple accounts so you can often switch between them which is quite handy um the visual studio marketplace has got a nice little search thing which makes it a lot easier again i was in there today uh, doing some stuff what was i looking for i can't remember now but i was just playing our um friend of the show uh tia Diego has a has some has a cool like um, integration into GitHub, um, but you can get in the Visual Studio Marketplace, and there's quite a lot of cool ones. There's a there's an one that's an email thing you can sign up for. So basically, when um, you can customize the email that your team gets sent, you know, when you, when you add somebody to the team, you can send them a welcome email, that sort of thing. So that's cool. And um, work item query charts are now in the dashboard when you're customizing your you know you're customizing the widgets. You can do some work item query charts, and I actually did one of those as well today which is quite handy uh, um some feedback for the team i would say that you, you can do some cool stuff you can customize it you can change the colors and it's all awesome um with the sort order you can get you can at uh, the minute you can only sort by like value or labels it would actually be quite cool if you're doing bar charts and things to be able to customize the um sort order a bit different because i had i was sort i was sorting by work item states and like work item states are never alphabetical but they have a <laughs> they have a flow which is a certain order and it's weird because you can't ever get it to sort in the order that you wanted. But no, it's it's coming along really well. The uh, the whole UX inside of VSTS is coming on really well. I don't know what those guys are doing there at a minute, but since I've left, the UI got a lot better. It's gotten, it's gotten so much better since you've left. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's really disappointing, <laughs> but awesome. So uh, as a user of it, it's been great to see. Um, got, then, then just finally, just quickly, they've done some stuff with the the build policies. So you can. Um, it used to be you had to wait for the build to completely finish before you could press the merge button. If you had a a, a branch um, policy on your on your on your builds to do that sort of stuff, but now they've done it so that you can kind of turn that dial down a little bit. That's especially important when you've got um, a very 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 busy Git repository, you know, in your team, and you wanna you wanna kind of be able to accept a change even if things are moving quickly. So uh, that's useful. And um, the Sonar Cube, um, you can now set it so that um, you know we've we've talked about the Sonar Cube integration quite a lot and build quality. You can now actually get the if the Sonar Cube fails, you know, and doesn't give you a good a good score, you can get that to fail your build, which some people like and some people really want. And then the thing I really liked as well, um, the exploratory testing extensions uh, again that's in the marketplace. It's been getting a load of improvements lately, and one of the really 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 cool things they just added 
was um, when you're creating a new bug, it has um, a little like one similar and it's got some cool searching Kung Fu that's going on that's trying to find similar bugs to the one that you're about to create. So um, avoiding duplicate bugs. I think that's awesome. I think that should be everywhere. That shouldn't just be an exploratory testing tool. I think they should <laughs> roll that out across the board. You know, and that be that yeah. just yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. Um, and then finally, they've done um, a bunch of web-based reports for the load testing stuff because, you know, a lot of the load testing stuff was in Visual Studio before. So that's moving over into um, the web as everything else is. And don't forget, you know, keyboard shortcuts improved and you can now um, – when you're doing a comment, you can mention a work item using the pound ID, and that creates a bi-directional link for you. Oh, just speaking about um, uh, the web load, the the load testing stuff. Actually, I was listening to um, the load testing stuff gets used by all sorts of people. I originally built the originally when i first used the low testing it was before i worked for microsoft and i nearly got fired for using it <laughs> because there was a competition about security inside this company i was working for at the time and they were having a competition and you had to get you know you had to enter the correct answers and then you would get uh you know enter a competition to win a prize and i read the rules very very carefully and there definitely wasn't a thing in it that said you couldn't, you know, you couldn't, you could only uh, reply one time. So I set up a low test. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, <laughs> in my defense, the low, one of the fe- great features of the low testing tools, as I mentioned to the manager as he hauled me in to, to give me a telling off, in my defense, the low testing tools have great controls where you can come in and you can kind of control, you know, how much load you want to put this service under and you can turn it right down and you can simulate, you know, really slow internet connections and you can, you know, you can really crank it down as well as up. And so I cranked it all the way down and, you know, but I just, you know, did a few hundred submissions and <laughs> and then nearly got fired for abusing company resources. <laughs> So there we go. But it was about security. I thought, surely, you know, if you're not going to build something in, it was trivial to do. So I think I, morally, I won, even if I nearly got fired and didn't actually win. <laughs> anyway, the, the point of that aside was that there were a bunch of um, load testing, people using load testing tools, and they've actually been around for ages. They're really, really popular. If you haven't looked at them, look at them. The load testing stuff is what makes sure that Santa can uh, be tracked by NORAD every year. <laughs> that stuff's been tested by the load testing, as we talked about. And then Han- uh, Scott Hanselman did um, a really cool Hanselman it's on scaling The Walking Dead uh, a couple of weeks ago. And there they're talking about how they you know scale up The Walking Dead application the game and um you know some of the stuff they were doing there and a lot of that's in azure but um how they tested it to make sure it was going to scale for the loads they wanted to use was they use load testing even though they weren't using anything else inside visual studio you know they used the load testing capabilities because they're awesome so there we go nice that's the main nice. news from the release uh there was one other thing that, that that reminded me about something that i did here at work i was very excited about it yesterday um they also added the flexible build policy for git yeah, I mentioned that. I just said that. You did? Yeah, yeah that was oh. the one where you can turn the dial down a bit. It's really good for, you know, exact for really, really busy check-ins. Oh, sorry. Duh. Okay. Uh, talk about spacing out there. You're all right. Uh, but I, I did my first on-prem Git, Git repository in TFS 2013 Update 4. Wow. So 
Yeah, we've got a, a, a con contractor coming in. He's got no um, TFBC experience, but he's got a lot of Git experience. So it's like, let's just spin up. Let's just spin up a project and make it Git, and it worked. And we're testing it. It was very exciting. So, nice. Well, uh, let how, was, yeah, let me know how that goes. I'm interested. I'm, I was. I'm working with a group at the minute who don't really have any Git experience, and they're wanting to use Mercurial. I'm like, oh. <laughs> don't we be learn something else? I already know too many things. I don't want to learn about that. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm like very excited that you know he'll be able to use his native tools, and you know we're not you know breaking anything. We're not going outside the building or anything else. Yeah, so. yeah. Let me know how that goes. Cool. So, um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this. I've been working on his name. Yeah, this is why I signed this story to you because I knew you'd be back soon. <laughs> Tarurun. Aurora. Nice. There we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm just for everybody else, I'm cheating. I went to pronouncenames.com and copied the pronunciations and put them into our OneNote notebook here so I can get this right. But um, Mr. Aurora, we've actually been communicating via email just the other day, and there was a little uh, communication snafu where uh, I thought it was um, our interviewee, Josh, uh, who was emailing his – and Torin was uh, – uh, Mr. Aurora was asking, you know, how should I contact you? I'm like, oh, via Skype. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Last night I'm home. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, you're not – you're not Josh. You're, you're you're the other guy, so we may have him on on our next show. It's yeah, I was getting really confused. I was thinking, huh? But anyway, carry on. <laughs> yes, and, and instead of doing uh, uh, interview news interview, I think we're going to do interview interview as our lead up to the big interview after that. So, uh, in any case, one of our other big releases last week, or um, the, on the eleventh, which was last week, a week ago today as we record this on the 18th, is the Update 2 stuff is starting to roll out. Uh, TFS 2015 Update 2 RC1, not even CTP or, or anything else. We've got an RC1, which means there's Go Live uh, for the TFS side on it. And, and the list of stuff is rather uh, amazing from everything that we've like a lot of the things we've been talking about on the show that's in VSTS. We're getting a lot of these things now. Uh, build widgets in the dashboard catalog. I mean, you get all of these these work item query charts in the dashboard catalog. At mesh at meshes and hash IDs, pull request widgets, uh, deleting work items, reordering cards on the boards, the web based release management, which is the big one. Which um, Jacob and talks about two in a specific post. I did not realize it until I read Jacob's post. Jakobs, Jakobs, Jakobs. If you'd been confident, you could have got away with that one. Nobody would yes, have. <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> My son's Jacob, so that's okay. why I keep saying yeah, yeah. Jacob there, not Jakob. But um, uh, Jakob talks about just this um, VS release management V next, mm. and, and we can start getting that, and we can get this on prem too. Uh, I had not realized it until I read Jacob's post. So this is going to be an interesting release. There's, as far as I know, there is no um, official RTM date for update two, but if I were a guessing man, um, we've got a big event coming up in just over a month. So I, I, I would guess that it would probably be around then because that would be a great build keynote announcement that we're RTMing. And the best thing is I'm not on the team anymore, so I have no idea. So this is awesome. <laughs> sure, Greg. Sounds great. There you go. <laughs> 
and, and yeah, we already talked about building my registration, and there's going to be no hardware, so I don't have to guess what it's going to be. Yeah, you can't get that wrong. That's good. So, um, no, yeah, that's brilliant. And uh, the work item delete alone is, you know, the, worth the price of admission. I was using that today as well. And I was like, man, I've forgotten. I'd forgotten how much easier it is now you can actually delete work items that you create by mistake. <laughs> that is awesome. Cool. Yeah, and then, Paul, there's been some stuff on the uh, the DevOps as well side. Yeah, there have. So um, Mr. Aurora has released a book. It's um, called the ALM and DevOps TFS 2015 Cookbook. And um, in our show notes, there'll be some uh, discount codes for 50% off an ebook and 25% off a print book, which I wish I would have known before I bought the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he did well on me. Um, but no, it's it's a great book. It, it, it really walks you through all different phases of working with TFS and in the DevOps and ALM space. Um, so everything from like connecting to projects and building projects and or creating, I should say, projects all the way out to, you know, releasing uh, software. It's really cool book. It's got about 80 different like hands-on type lab things that you can do recipes. Um, let's say, um, that you can do. So it's, it's a really cool book. I'm um, looking the show notes for it. I'm um, again, get those, get those discounts so you can, um, you know, get the book at a, on a little bit cheaper price. Sounds good. Hey, can I just quickly plug, blatantly plug a couple of my posts that I've done re- uh, this week? Is that okay? No. Okay. No. I might not get on with Josh. No. So okay. just quickly, uh, um, I had a few people at work talking to me about different Git workflows, and I was like, you know what, I should just write some of these up, especially now Open Live Writer is available, and so writing to my blog is actually easy again. So uh, the first thing I want to mention is Open Live Writer uh, 0.6 um, just got released, so go ahead and go get it. Um, it has spell check now. Yay! So uh, squiggly red underlines ahoy, which is good. So that, again, I love open source, you know? It's just complete. I thought it was going to be a right nightmare. I thought we were going to have to rewrite the whole editor in like WPF to get pick up the platform, squiggly red underline control and blah, blah, blah. And then some guy who'd written the uh, plugin for, um, uh, you know, written an open source um uh, library for plugging in the platform spell check into WinForms apps um, came along and was like, oh, cool, and plugged it into Open Live Writer for us and then sent it over as a delicious pull request. I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's all done. And there was a bunch of, if you're if you're on Blogger as well, there was a bunch of um, fixes to the, the Blogger stuff that went in that release because it was fairly new. So we're just fixing that. And then, um, so that was on. And then uh, I just did a quick post about... Um, on I do a lot of different GitHub contributions, and just to let people know that you don't, you can have multiple email addresses registered with GitHub, and then you can configure um, Git locally to to do the commits with different email addresses. So for different repositories, I have it automatically set up to use different email addresses depending on the repository I'm on. So on my uh, my work machine, I default to my work email. On my home machine, I default to my home email. But then for individual repositories, if I happen to pull one or the other, I can I can individually override it for those. And I explain the process of that because a lot of people at work are getting confused. So there we go. Nice. Hey, well, enough of us yabbering on. We've got got a very special guest today. Yes, joining us today is Josh Garverick. Josh is 100% self-taught. Yay! Yay. 
He didn't go to school for CS or go through any boot camps, conferences, or training campaigns as of yet. I mean, officially, he's been programming since the fifth grade, writing little basic, uh, little programs in basic on his Apple IIe and the ever lovable Trash 80, which I am a pro was a programmer and learned on too. And even played around on VT 220s in junior college. That is until he discovered HTML in about 1994. Wow, that was a convert from Gopher then in those times. <laughs> <laughs> Got that right. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, he didn't start to really take it on as a career aspiration until he got into his first professional job as a HR generalist. Spending eight years in HR at a couple different companies gave him exposure to all kinds of platforms like Oracle, HRMS, PeopleSoft, VBA, via Excel, and Access. Uh, yeah, yeah, that Access. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with Access. Nothing wrong with VBA. That's where I... Macro Man, that used to be my nickname. Oh, I'm sorry. Macro, Macro Man. <laughs> okay, uh, as I'll continue on. <laughs> I'm going uh, Somewhere around 2000... Okay, you have to do that in the background as I continue. No, wait. Uh, somewhere around 2000, 2001, he was able to get his hands on some used 46 machines and found a bookstore that was selling discounted computer books. He started teaching himself C, C++, ASP Classic, though uh, we... Uh, he prefers the term vintage for now, as well as Linux. Uh, then a coworker gave him a copy of VB4, and he thought he hit the jackpot. It made way more sense to him than the memory management tomfoolery he had to deal with with C. VB4 was his gateway drug and was focused really heavily on VB until VB.net came out. And seriously, this isn't like a joke or anything. He asked for a copy of VB.NET Pro for his birthday when it came out in 20, uh, 2003. Yeah, that's, that's a VB guy. Being a former uh, a VB guy myself, I, I can really appreciate that. He made the transition to official IT development in 2007 and has never looked back. Started developing a taste for all things C-sharp shortly thereafter and ALM, not much after that. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thank you very much, Greg, Martin, and Paul. Glad to be here. Good to have you on the show. And we should yes, mention as well, you're now one of our esteemed ALM rangers. So thank you for all the awesomeness that you do. Oh, my pleasure. So what is it that, that, that you kind of do now? I put, put on my office space hat. <laughs> what do you do here? I was just going to say the same thing. Um, <laughs> So currently, I am what's called the technical lead. So in layman's terms, I suppose you could call that uh, kind of a, a technical team lead type of position. Um, work a lot with the infrastructure and architecture of the application at my current employer. Um, much more infrastructure than architecture, uh, but that's going to be changing. We're, we've got some things in the works there. Um, as far as my my formal or official development background, I've worked on HR payroll systems. I've worked on financial management systems. Uh, currently, we're you know our application now is a health exchange application that allows employees and employers to to manage benefits for open enrollment periods and otherwise. Um, as far as as far as what really keeps me going and and keeping at it. Is, is probably just the the transient nature of everything. We're you know we're constantly seeing changes and we're constantly seeing improvements in in the tooling and the platforms that we deal with, and that just that cranks me up pretty good. Uh, another thing recently that that's gotten me going is this IoT explosion. Mm -hmm. um, I've 
I've gone as far as to, to actually get on the wait lists on Adafruit for the Pi Zeros. And twice now I've been able to to get pinged as soon as they become available. One was on Thanksgiving Day. I ordered like two of them then, and then I ordered another two, I think it was New Year's Eve. Um, and of course, with that, it's like, you know, only one per customer. So I would just log out, log back in and order another one. So did you get some? Have you managed to get some? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got, I've got, I had four. I gave two to my uh, director of software engineering here because we do a town hall every month and I wanted to give I wanted them to give those out as, as kind of incentives for for people who who made the good list of you know doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff so cool. I, I don't I donated those and you know that that was a pretty big hit people were clamoring for that um, after which I started getting assaulted by people asking me if I could get more of them and, you know, could I get a pallet of them and all, <laughs> all these black market references. I'm just like, okay, just stop. That's, that's not what this is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not going to do it, but yeah, I mean, that's, that stuff has really gotten me going. And that's one of the things that, that I ended up doing after dog fooding the new build system uh, with the Rangers was, uh, working on something called Frankenbuild. And Frankenbuild arose from all of the old crap at my house, uh, mostly mostly computer towers and old hard drives and, and things like that. But I got, you know, I was looking around and I'm working on this new build system. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool if I built a Build V Next build agent on a Raspberry Pi? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be cool? So I did. Uh, and I started to do stuff with, you know, the Mac world. So I got an old Mac Mini, a refurbished one, and started playing around with that. And that ended up turning into a hands-on lab that I did that covers Apache Cordova um, tri-platform. So Windows, Linux, and Mac, and walks you through not only setting up a, a sample Cordova project, but then will also, if you hook up the CI correctly, it will build simultaneously on all three platforms. Nice. I just didn't know. Do you know? Because uh, Team Explorer everywhere, that even though it's a Java stuff, it ships with um, Raspberry Pi versions of the native binaries. Because because um, I happened to because I was in a, you know being in the UK early adopter of the Raspberry Pi sort of thing, and I'd got this Raspberry Pi arrived on my house one day and just got that. I was like, oh, what can I do with this? I know, I'll compile TE on it. So we for years we were shipping, even though we you know it's never an officially supported platform. We were still shipping the ARM v7 is it on uh, v7 binaries for uh for the raspberry pi and now we can probably i doubt i have not talked to them i, I guess they, they yeah they can use the build engine on raspberry pi as well and have it all automated because i had to do that all manually back in the day that's mm-hmm. cool absolutely now that, that was probably my biggest indoctrination into the the rangers program was working on that stuff um i spent a lot of time doing that and it was it was an absolute blast I mean, it was so much fun i learned a lot in, in that so time. when did you start getting involved in like the TFS space and the ALM side of things? What what were you doing? What were you doing for version control originally when you first started learning to code? Because yeah, was it zip files in a, in a folder somewhere? <laughs> no, it was uh, you know um, not zip files, but uh, <laughs> you didn't, didn't go that far. Tar, tar files, maybe. <laughs> we, had, we had tar balls. It was all tar balls. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no, it, my first gig was actually using SourceSafe, which was was outstanding. I mean, that was that was some top notch stuff there. Side note: when when I was at the MVP summit, we were walking around in the over by the cafe, and we we saw the uh, the gravestone marker for for SourceSafe. <laughs> hey, and, don't be giving SourceSafe hassle. It was good for its time. Absolutely. We we, we want to make sure we keep the inventor of SourceSafe sweet, so we can have him on the show sometime. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So that's where I started was, was SourceSafe. And from there, migrated over to uh, PVCS. So uh-huh. you, God, been there, done that too. Yeah, yeah. that was, that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, <laughs> then I went into TFS proper. So it was TFS, I think the, we had 2010 at right. the time. Um, mostly, you know, just trying to figure out the, the build system and, and I helped out to do some custom build stuff in the, in the XAML engine and all that stuff. Um, from there, I went on to another company that was absolutely not using TFS at all. They were using Source Gear Vault for source control. And nice. there was there were no um, inklings or notions of of CI or or CD or anything like that. And I was just starting to to kind of you know I used to work to Sourcegear by the way, Josh. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, carry on. Interesting. See, I'm getting all kinds of fun facts here today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nice. So and so in in that particular position, I, I started to see you know areas where I could ha- try to help improve things. I started to set up uh, Team City instances, Bamboo instances to try and get some traction around, you know, what's the best approach for, for setting this stuff up. And very grassroots, I the, com- the, the company in question was uh, and still is a, a small to medium-sized company, so under 50 employees, I think, and basically just gave me an old server. It was sitting around, so I threw it under my desk, you know, in, in the best way possible. Gave it a little, gave it a little cloak, you know, put candles under there every now and again to make sure that it wasn't going to disappoint me. And, and I just started to work on this stuff, and I started to see the different ways to integrate information, not only with you know Team City and you know, later Bamboo. I started to look at Jira. I started to look at you know a lot of different things. We had Fog Creek products in house for for ticketing, so I was looking at integrations with that, and. I just kept kept noodling along with it, trying to find anywhere that I could I could find a niche and and trying to make some improvements and work on automation. And I've, that's kind of always been my my way. I'm a, I'm a tinker at heart. I like to to mess around with stuff like that. And you know, if if there's an edge case or a weird case that's out there that I can try and, and solve in an unconventional way, I'll do it. Now, now some people, my wife included, might actually say that that's a bit of a problem because I find the hardest way possible to do something. Uh, but I'm, uh, I'm okay with that because that's how I learn. Very cool. Very cool. So Josh, um, I got, I got a couple things you mentioned you were at the MVP summit, but before we get into things about being an MVP, um, first off, I'd like to let the audience know that, um, you know, Josh and I have never met, but we have a lot in common. Um, we, it's funny that, you know, reading Josh's, um, little, uh, blurb there that, uh, we both cut our teeth on VB4. We're both self-taught, never went to school for it. Um, I lived in, I was born in Buffalo. Josh seems to be from that area and uh, we're both MVPs. So this is pretty cool. You know, I, I feel, uh, I feel like, wow, we got a lot in common, man, even though we never met. So uh, Josh, tell me a little bit about the MVP and, you know, PR you in what area, how long have you been an MVP? And, and more importantly, I get a lot of questions from people um, on how do you become an MVP? What does it really take to become one and then stay one? So, you know, fill us in a little bit. Sure. No problem. I, I'm a newbie. So July 2015 was when I actually made it in. Congratulations. Thank very you very good. much. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Did you moan about it for years beforehand that you weren't one like, <laughs> like Greg? Or, or did you, did you quite? Yeah, okay. yeah. No, Congratulations. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Interesting, interesting story. Uh, I actually didn't even expect it. 
I didn't expect the nomination. I didn't expect to actually get in or anything like that. It was it was very much unexpected and, and very, very cool. Um, the and that kind of leads into, you know, how do you become an MVP? Um, it's it's not just community involvement, but it's also in my in my case at least it's it's product group involvement as well. And I think that's where being in the ALM Rangers program really kind of helped because I had access to do certain things that, you know, had I not been in that program, I don't know that I would have had the ability to do, uh, like working with pre-release bits and, and actually help to, to dog food and shape some of the, some of the features in the products. Um, my discipline is application lifecycle management. And I think with the, the program restructure that's now under Visual Studio and tools, I think is the category. Um, yes, I could yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, but at any any rate, that's that's my my wheelhouse, my my area of interest. And uh, as far as is making sure that you you maintain your MVP status, it's just continuing to to do what you did to get to the point where where you were nominated and accepted in the first place. It's just continuing that community engagement, that involvement with you know peers and, and coworkers and Members of the product group, obviously, um, but you know, any anything that you can do to to get out there and just kind of help spread the word, help spread the knowledge, and, and help people out is really gonna gonna pay dividends not only for you professionally and personally, but also in the respect of of maintaining your status as an MVP. And that's one right, of the right. things that's most important is it's about being um, being helpful to the community, isn't it? You know, that's that's what Microsoft are rewarding you for is for being awesome and getting out there and helping people use get the best out of the products, helping people learn how to use the products and just being generous with your time in terms of, you know, helping others. So and, and giving us giving the product group feedback as well is nice, but it's mostly yeah. about spreading you know what are the what's the tagline? Is it in you know, it's something about independent experts or something like that. I can't remember. I should look at my award anyway. But yeah. Yes, so, independent experts, something results or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Well, <sighs> yeah. 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 cool. And I think it's more it's more about the passion. It's passionate professionals. Those people who are passionate about it and just love doing it. It's not even like an award. It's just like a passion multiplier. Yeah. Every MVP that I've talked about just loves what they do and are passionate about it. And that passion just comes through no matter what they do. If they're writing it, they're writing software, if they're interacting with customers, if they're doing forum things, presentations, doesn't matter. It's that passion. Yeah, yeah it's and more it's, of an honor being being an MVP than it is, like you say, an yes. award. It's it's such an honor that the product group looks at you, especially the, the ALM folks in the Visual Studio product group. You know, I, I feel so honored to be in that program with some of the smartest people, people way smarter than me, you know, that working with the tools and, and, and the product group is so open to us as a, as an MVP community, you know, that I couldn't ask for more from them. You know, it's, it's just not such an honor to be in that program. Hey, I wanted to ask you a quick question, Josh. You, you mentioned you did a lot of stuff on the, uh, the team city and the Jira side. And obviously, you know, you're doing quite a bit of stuff on the TFS side. Do, do, are you using the TFS and VSTS stuff in your day job today? And yeah, first of all, are you using the TFS and the VSTS stuff in your day job today, or is this just an interest? Is this just something you doing a part time? No, it's actually now it's something that that I'm using day to day, which is nice. Um, we currently and, and are that. What made what was the change from say the Jira Team City stuff to TFS? And you know what what prompted that switch? Uh, pretty much a job change. Fair enough. <laughs> um, in an, I, I in, always change my job when they make me use Jira as well. Yeah, you know. It just, it's like, 
<laughs> I hate you all. Jira, Jira or Microsoft Project. <laughs> Both of those two things is a time for a job change. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, it just, I, I'd had enough. It's time to go. No, I mean, it, what was it really the, what was a big difference then when you came from, you know, what, what did you notice when you came and started playing with TFS from the other things? Because they are different, even though they solve, they're trying to solve similar problems. They, they approach the world quite differently, I find. Yeah. And, you know, aside from if I had to do a, a quick comparison between Team City, Bamboo, and TFS and and VSTS too, because let's be fair. When when you talk about TFS, usually the the you know XAML build system and all that stuff tends to to be one of the first things that creeps into your thought process. Um, the interface for TFS was always easier for me to understand, and VSTS is by far the most intuitive interface I've used for for any type of of tooling around um, build work, item management, or anything else. Um, and it, it continues to improve, and I'm I'm really really excited about that. Uh, from from Team City's perspective, it's very robust. The programming API is kind of hard to to get with. I had issues, you know, developing custom plugins and things like that, and it kind of discouraged me from wanting to do that. It's not to say it can't be done, or that you know other folks who do that are are, are bad people. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I just didn't happen to find it appealing. Um, Bamboo was was a nice, clean interface. It was easy to set up, which was nice. And it seemed to perform pretty well too, because like I said, I was given, I was gifted a, an old server. So it wasn't exactly, you know, top of the line bare metal. It was, you know, kind of like the C or D team yeah. type of thing. It was, you know, an old crappy box that they had sitting around and weren't using. So, um, yeah, I was able NT, to... NT4 wasn't running too well on it anymore. So they gave it to you. Yeah. You know, it was, I'd walk into the office sometimes and I just hear heavy breathing and I knew it was the server. So <laughs> it was just, it was bad news. <laughs> Thank God it was that. I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother conversation, man. <laughs> but it's, but, but getting back to the, the meat of the question though, really using TFS now and, and I'm in the middle of migrating to VSTS too. So I'm kind of going through, uh, looking at our current TFS instance and, and kind of getting things ready to to move it up to the cloud. I've been using VSTS since it was, you know, Visual Studio Online for both my personal stuff and also uh, the the Ranger stuff too. So I've had a, a fairly decent amount of experience in there, and I just, I don't know, I, I really really like it a lot. Great. So one thing I wanted to make sure that we we talked. I wanted to talk to you about is you, on Mr. Aurora's book. He gave you a great shout out in the post as a reviewer and technical input. What? How did? I've never worked on a book in any way, shape, or form except. I like knew. A I knew you were smart. There you go. You're clever. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was it like? I mean, how much did? How much? What did you do on the book? And, and how hard was it? And how many hours did it take? And uh, what was that part like? You know, initially I was a little, I was a little cautious because I wasn't sure how much of this, how much time it would eat up. And mm-hmm. it really honestly wasn't that bad. I mean, you, you got to read through the stuff and you got to verify that everything that, that the author is trying to convey makes sense. And, you know, making sure that you're giving good positive, well, not necessarily positive feedback, but, you know, useful feedback because, you know, you can get negative feedback that's not, you know, this is the worst thing I've ever read type of stuff. <laughs> and, and still, but still give, you know, what I, you know, I would suggest you word it this way or maybe, you know, beef this up with a couple of more situations or something, you know, something to that effect. Uh, but it didn't really take a ton of time. It's not like, you know, I was, 
I was eating up a lot of family time or anything else, you know, proofreading the stuff and, and actually making sure that the technical content was on par. Um, the biggest thing really is just finding someone who wants to use you as a technical reviewer. That would be, that's probably the hardest part. The hardest part of it, if you're interested in, in actually doing tech reviews on books, mm-hmm. I mean, aside from aside from that, it's really not that bad. It's it's kind of fun. Nice. Uh, other thing I want to talk to you about is your VSTS extension project templates that you just updated and released. Uh, tell us a little bit about the extension first. Yes. What it is is an extension for Visual Studio that injects two used to be just one, now it's two, uh, project templates and an item template that you can use to build uh, VSTS extensions. You, there's there's the project for uh, build extensions too. So that's it's similar in that it uses a similar structure, but it's different in that it's targeted just for build tasks and release tasks. And the mm-hmm. item template is a build release task item. So if you, you know, right click, go to add a new item, it'll put a, you know, a, a pre-built build slash release task in there for you. It includes the PowerShell, the JSON, and a, a placeholder icon for you too. So um, everything that, that you kind of need to get up and running to create a new build task is, is right there for you. The original project template for the VSTS extension manifested out of the original you know dog fooding of the extensions API and 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 working with Will Smith and his team to to go through that exercise of writing extensions and then actually when it went live at connect mine my extension was one of uh, a handful that that were community extensions that actually went live at connect which was which was kind of crazy uh, but crazy cool <laughs> and <laughs> But I wanted to, I mean, as I started to, to work with the extensions API and, and work with the other, you know, rangers who are working on the stuff, I'm like, you know, it'd be really handy if we had some sort of a template to to make sure that what we're doing is is uniform across the board and kind of helping to troubleshoot some of the, the things that may come up as problematic. And and as you know, that as the, the releases went on, there were some, some areas where there were breaking changes. So we'd have to update things to make sure that it would accommodate, um, you know, any SDK changes that, that you might run into or for example when when they deprecated vset and started using the the tfx command line interface mm-hmm. for the cross-platform stuff you know i had to do an update for that as well rip out all the vset stuff and and put in the tfx references too um so you know just keeping up on that but then i got to thinking well why not just throw a a project template out there for build tasks because yeah you can do it in yeah. in the extension but if you want to if you want to just get the tasks done real quick and, and and package it up that way i think it makes more sense than you know starting with a project template that has a bunch of html and css and all this other stuff that you really don't need for the for the build tasks this is awesome i'm reading through it this is this is really cool josh i i, I would really like to start using this thing this is neat yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm open to I'm open to candid feedback. So uh, I know some folks have have been out there pounding on it pretty good, and and the more people that can can get in front of that and give me feedback on improvements or additions or anything like that, I'm I'm all for it. Sure, I'm actually doing a talk this weekend at Florida South Florida Code Camp on um, TFS Build 2015, and I'll be able to you know kind of use this as a as a resource, point them to your your direction for if you want to create these build release tasks. Here you go, you know, quick way to get started. That's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Because um, does does TFS Build um have a Linux type of um task yet? Does anybody know? I didn't see uh-huh. one. 
It does. No, it does on, on the new mm-hmm. build, yeah. I mean, the, the build, the, so the, um, yeah, well, sorry, Josh. Oh, no, 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 no problem. But yeah, oh, but cool. it, it has a build agent for Linux. You know, it's got the cross-platform build agent. That's how Josh was able to get it working on the Raspberry Pi. And then you can you can actually just go execute a shell script. And they are out the box, like native, you know, tasks that are in the, the build agent stuff. So, yep, no, you, um, oh, yeah, you, can, go right. get that. you can go right. get that stuff. That's using a TFS CLI or whatever it's called, right? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, which reminds me too, I have to, and I realize this is totally stream of conscious right now, but um, <laughs> I have I have Docker images out there too that have the agents kind of baked in. Nice. So that reminds me that I have to go update them because I think they're still using, <laughs> I don't think they're using TFX. <laughs> so I should probably go update that. I'm sure they're up to snuff. But that's just another that that's actually out on the Docker registry or Docker Hub or whatever it's called these days. Um, probably about six or seven different images I put out there. One's using the Microsoft ASP.NET Docker image as a base. One's using you know, the JDK, and I've got another one for Python, Ruby. There's there's a few other ones out there too. Cool. And you can ship the build agent with whatever you want because hey, it's open source. So you know, that's good. New world. Well, we're about. Out of time. Um, what's new and upcoming for you, Josh? You got anything coming out? Anything new and exciting happening? Let's see. I've got – there's a couple of Rangers projects that I'm working on that I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about them or not. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if they've been, they've been formally announced. Oh, okay. Outward well, is what I need. So that's, so, so that's kind of cheating. You're like, oh, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up, but I can't tell you about it. It's <laughs> secret. We may have to make some special <laughs> arrangements. It is. <laughs> yeah, how will people connect with you, Josh, if they wanted to get with you? Since we're wrapping it up here soon, I want to make sure people who want to talk to you or email you or find you, uh, there's a way to do it. So uh, which ways do you like to be contacted? I'm I'm really open to email. I'm open to Twitter. My Twitter handle is at jgarverick. Uh, my blog is joshgarverick.blogspot.com, and you can interact with me there. And if you go to the MVP website, look up my profile. My email address is on there. So right. you can send along any, anything that you want within reason. Nice. Awesome. Well, th- yeah, thank you for coming on, Josh. We really appreciate it. No, thank you. It's my pleasure. I, I absolutely enjoyed my time here and, and really grateful that you, you invited me. Well, we yeah, you know, we invite you because it's good to hear from you and we're great to hear from you, but also because of the feedback we had to the show. You're a requested uh, a requested guest. So, Greg, how do, we, how do people request other guests and how do we get in contact with the show? Send us an email at radiotfs at outlook.com or via Twitter at radiotfs, Facebook, radio, uh, facebook.com slash radiotfs, voicemail. You guys heard it. We will play your, as long as it's like, you know, safe for, you know, normal audiences. <laughs> <laughs> voicemails on the air uh, 1-425-233-8379 now you said well, you said safe for, for normal audiences is there ever anything that's safe for abnormal audiences <laughs> uh, <laughs> safe for work how about safe for having <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. take your kids to school there we go yeah. Yeah, if I have to edit your voicemail we're not putting it on so <laughs> <laughs> I'm no bleeping, no nothing. So just make sure it's safe. Cool. Well, okay. with that, we better wrap up the show. So uh, thanks again, Josh, for coming on. Yeah, thanks. Good to talk to you. And then uh, thanks, everybody. We'll speak to you next time on Radio CFS. Bye.